This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. It's the Mark Madden Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. I'm going to lead off today with my top three list. It's the top three Steeler problems, weaknesses, if you will, now that the draft is over, and this is probably pretty much what they got. Number three, center. Mason Cole is okay, but they need better. For that line to be what they want it to be, they need better. Number two, edge rusher, because T.J. Watt's going to get hurt. My over-under on how many games he misses in the upcoming season is five. No maybes. Herbig, they drafted him. They think he can play edge, but he's a rookie. The Steelers need to sign Kyle Van Noy, who's a free agent, a veteran pass rusher. Of the Steelers' three problems in this top three list, this is one they can still solve for this year. So they need to go and do that. And number one... The top weakness with the Steelers, obviously, it's inside linebacker. The Steelers brought in a couple scrubs to replace a couple disappointments. The 3-4 defense, don't forget, funnels everybody to the inside backers. The Steelers need better at that spot, but that will have to be addressed in next year's draft. I'm joined on my by my uh, co-host, Tom Offerman. Tom, uh, what's your take on that list? I, I think it's fairly obvious, but I think it says good things when... The top three weaknesses being fairly obvious, there aren't that many of them. There's not debate beyond that. Yeah, no, I agree. They took care of two big, big weaknesses, too, that would be maybe number one on this list, definitely number two and number three in the draft with corner and the tackle position as well. So they're doing a good job of filling in the holes. But like you said, the only one on this list that you could really foresee them fixing for the 2023 season is that edge rusher spot because they're so good at the top of that position. Really maybe the best of the league with the number one in T.J. Watt. An administrative weakness with the Steelers, and and that's a nice way of saying they play themselves for suckers. They they act like T.J. Watt's not going to get hurt. Exactly. What they should be doing is planning on him getting hurt and, and go from there. And I think that's kind of what the Herbig draft pick was, right? A little bit of insurance there, although you can't really it's not rely, enough. You can't rely on a rookie fourth rounder to come in and be your number three. Well, you can if you're not that concerned this year about making the playoffs. If you see okay. this as a bridge year, then yeah, you want that guy to play and get better. But they always play for right now, right? And that's the thing. They're going to view this year as a do whatever it takes to get that ninth win, get that tenth win that gets you in as the seventh seed, as opposed to maybe have an eye towards development. But I just don't think that if Watt goes down and Highsmith has to slide to the one and you're looking at that fourth-round pick as the guy that has to come in and carry the load now all of a sudden can't as do an it. everyday player, can't do it. Can't, if, if you want to make the playoffs. Can't trust him to do it. Can't you trust you, you him might to do get it. lucky, but you can't bet on that. And how could you not plan 
in your greatest powers for TJ Watt to get hurt at this point if you're a Steelers in the Steelers front office. It's just so obvious it's going to happen. I predicted it before it happened. He's just reached that stage of his career. Did you see JJ Watt? for whatever reason, wants to visit the Steeler practice facility. Uh, make no mistake. I don't know if J.J. Watt wants to come back and play a year with with T.J. and potentially Derek if the Steelers re-sign him. But he is visiting the the Steelers practice facility to get the lay of the land. You to get people talking. Around? Yeah, I do. Don't you? Yeah, because I think those three have always had an eye on playing together in the NFL. And I think those three think football's just for them and nobody else. Like like they have that ego of them that the Watt family yes. is more important the first than family football of than football. else. Well, them, and, them and no rings between them. The Mannings are really the first family of football. But I feel you on that. I just think that... I don't think that it's going to happen. I think JJ's going to stay retired. But you're right. He's sniffing around. He's seeing if there's an option. Maybe he can sweet talk Mike into having him come in on third downs and rush the passer. That edge rusher is looking a little weak. Well, but he's not an edge rusher. He's not. He's a down lineman. He's a defensive end in a 4-3 is what he is. 100%. They just don't need him. Now, um, Colin Coward had his top 10 AFC teams. The Steelers ranked ninth. Uh, Here's who ranked ahead. Kansas City, Cincinnati, L.A. Chargers, Buffalo, Jacksonville, Baltimore, Denver, and the Jets. I think he ranked uh, L.A. Chargers a bit high, although I I do think they're better than the Steelers. And I think he's counting on Sean Payton to bring Denver around maybe a little more than I believe. The Chargers are like that team that you kind of forget they're the Chargers as you work through the offseason because you look at them on paper and you're like, wow, Herbert's a great quarterback. They've got receivers, weapons on offense, and a really good defense with a lot of stars. And then the season starts and they lose those one-score games like crazy because they're the Chargers. So I agree with you. I think they're a little too high, but I get why he put them that high. It's hard to ignore the talent that they have on their roster. The Denver thing is is peculiar to me. I think Coward's a, uh, a Peyton guy, so I think he probably puts a lot of stock in him. He is. In. He's a Sean Peyton guy, and I think that he thinks Russell Wilson's going to bounce back. I think he thinks Peyton's going to have a lot to do with that as well. And, and Russell Wilson bouncing back, I mean, it's not an impossible proposition. No, it's not. It's not, and that just makes an already crowded AFC quarterback room even more crowded if Russell Wilson... I'm not saying he's going to return to his you know back-to-back Super Bowl prime, but he could be a lot better than he was All last year. All he has to be is slightly above average, yeah. and they're a better team than the Steelers. I agree All he that. has to be is better than Kenny Pickett, and they're a better team than the Steelers. Well, I think he's already better than that. Well, I don't know. Last year, boy, that was a dead heat emphasis on the dead. Let's talk about the Pirates, though. The best team in Pittsburgh, or at least that's what people <laughs> wanted you to well, think Well, they April. were anyway. It's really funny to me... And I saw you tweeting about this. Like, it's crazy that even the most staunch defenders of the Pirates are now panicking like the, the world is on fire. Right, one extreme now. to the other. Exactly. After April being like, oh, this is the best team ever. How could you not think that they're going to make the playoffs? But it is a weird start to this season. I mean, just all the way high in April and then to not have won a game in May to this point when we're taping this podcast. Well, it's nobody insane. should have ever thought they were going to make the playoffs. Not even at their peak. What were they, 20 and 8? 20 and 8. Yeah, there's just no way anybody should have thought that. They don't have the hitting. They don't have the pitching. They do have the base running, but they're finding out now the hard way that you can't steal first base. And the most (laughs) disturbing thing about this seven-game losing streak as we tape this is they're falling apart in a lot of games. Yes, Things are going from bad to worse awful quickly and predictably. Even in that loss uh, Sunday, the 10-1 loss to Toronto, it was 5-1, and they mounted a rally. They loaded the bases, left them loaded, then Toronto scores ten, scores five more runs to make the final score an absolute route. They just, like I said, it goes from bad to worse, and that's when they look like last year. 
and when th- it goes so quickly yeah. from bad to worse. And I think, you know, we all thought that the wheels would fall off the pitching rotation first. And the pitching rotation hasn't been exactly great lately. I mean, Oviedo's been terrible in his last couple of starts. But the lineup just went to sucky so fast. I mean... Well, Kutch got hurt. Kutch got hurt, but... But everybody else stopped it except for Reynolds. Everybody's down. Except yeah, for exactly, Reynolds. Exactly. And even he was 0 for 5 on Sunday. And you're talking about, you know shooting themselves in the foot, you need that, you know, number one starter in a rotation to stop losing streaks like this. And the Pirates don't have that guy. Their best bet is Mitch Keller. But look at his last outing. He's pitching well against the Rays. And then Derek Shelton inexplicably brings the infield in and gives up a run without getting an out. And then there's an air from Rodolfo Castro. They're shooting themselves in the foot. Shelton's not covered himself in glory during this losing streak. I was just going to ask you that. He's always struck me more as a caretaker than a really good baseball manager. They just extended him, though. I know, and now things are kind of starting and then to get he made, he made that crappy bunt decision uh-huh. in Tampa. Like Bringing he said, the infield pulling, in. Yeah, just there's there's some things that have gone wrong, and he is not uh, excluded from blame. And it's just weird that, you know, he continues to play Austin Hedges at catcher who's hitting like 120 in this yeah, season. Yeah, but, you know, I got mad when PNC Park, they had the, what was it, 34,000 on Saturday, yeah. and a lot of people booed him. That's like booing Matt Canada. That's the problem, right? Yeah, yeah. They're not losing to Austin Hedges. Would I go with that delay guy a little more often? Probably. Right. I'm just using it as an example for, you know, piling on Derek Shelton and some of the questionable decisions he's made. It's definitely not Austin Hedges' problem that the, the uh, Pirates are tanking <laughs> yeah. right now. When you're deciding whether to play Hedges or delay, <laughs> there's not a good answer there. Everybody talks about Hedges' pitch framing, too, and I think that's really valuable in the age of still having human umpires because those idiots behind the plate will fall for anything. The ball could be a 1,000 feet outside, and you just bring it right back. I think it's important to have a guy that the staff seems to trust, which by all accounts, I mean, it's not the most experienced staff ever. No, it's not at all. Do you still think they're going to be over 500? No, I overreacted too. Just, <laughs> just not as much as most people. Hey, no, but I still think they have a chance to be. My original prediction was seventy-two wins. Uh, I would amend that to seventy-five. I mean, but, it's but am- no higher. It's amazing that they lost seven straight games and they're still sitting here at twenty and fifteen. Like they still had such a big cushion that yeah, I could but, see but, them getting eighty-two. I, the reason I said for a while I thought they'd finish over five hundred is because I didn't see them losing seven in a row. Yeah, or right. eight you or nine, like or kind of you know, however many it turns out to be. Slog away at five hundred, maybe right. go four and six in a kind 10 of game stumble. Span. Yeah, something stumble, like that. but not fall down. But it's precipitous. They got to beat. They have a series in the, with the Rockies coming up at the beginning of this week. They got to beat them because then it gets tough again. The Orioles are one of the best teams in gotta, baseball. Got to beat them two or three. How'd you like to be in that that AL East where all five teams are playoff caliber? I remember when they beat the Red Sox at the beginning of the year, three straight. People said, well, they're a bad team. And I'm thinking, are they really, or are they just the worst team in the best division? And now you look up and they have one more win than the Pirates at, at this current point. Of course they do. Speaking of teams going in the tank, how glorious is it Toronto right now in the NHL playoffs? Well, here's what I'm hoping for, Tom. And by hoping, I mean praying. <laughs> okay, I want uh, Toronto to win game four okay. at, at Florida because I want game five to be at Toronto with the Leaf facing elimination. The term I keep using, medieval. It will be just. It'll be. It'll be funereal if they get down. It'll be like a Great Depression washes all over Toronto. Uh, it's just funny to me that well, I thought you meant they'd be selling apples on the corner afterward. They might be. It's just funny that you know for a couple of years they couldn't get past Tampa. Tampa was that team that always beat them. They finally get past Tampa, and who's waiting for them? The other Florida team. And now they can't get past this Florida team. And it couldn't be a more perfect franchise, right? For those Toronto fans that bleed for Toronto Maple Leaf hockey to get bounced by. The Miami team, the right, Fort Lauderdale they team. They don't care. <laughs> I'm sure there's they people down care. there that are just like now realizing that the Panthers are in the playoffs. There are a ton of Toronto fans uh, 
at these games, that game three in Florida. It's easy to get tickets down there. I bet it's easier for the Torontoans. Is that what they are? I believe so, yes. Uh, for them to get tickets in Florida than it is to get right. tickets in Toronto. Much easier. No, 100%. Do you think that Florida can make a real run at this thing? They seem like they have the ingredients of a Stanley Once Cup Once you're winner. in the conference final, you're making you're a real it. run. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, they've got the star in Kachuk. They've got four lines that they can roll. I don't know about their blue line. Their blue line's probably the thing that you point to and scratch your head about if that can really hold up. But Bob's playing as well as he has. Does it really matter? It wouldn't shock me if Toronto won four straight. I mean, I'm not predicting that. I, I think they're just ready. This might sound dumb considering their high hopes. I think they're discouraged and ready to go home. Wow, that would be really tough to. Well, I, I that'd be tough. For I didn't a team think with that. I didn't optimism. think there was a ton of urgency in Game Three by Toronto. Well, did I you? A lot of people have pointed. Austin out, Matthews has disappeared. What and that pl- sucks. They played like what seven games, nine games in the in the playoffs so far. People have pointed out like there's been two games that you can point to and Toronto has played actually well. They stole a lot of games against Tampa Bay. They got outplayed severely and just had like a nice onslaught at the end that let them get the lead and win. Their the games. goaltending ain't great either. Although and now he's hurt. Samsonov. Yeah, that kid they threw in yesterday out of the clear blue sky. He did okay. It wasn't his. Although. Let me tell you, that Reinhardt goal to win it, Yeah. A, he looked terrible. He went the wrong way. And B, how can Reinhardt enter the zone, double back out of the zone, enter the zone again, do a give-and-go behind the net, and never get touched? They just kept reaching and poking. Nobody hit him. you got to impede his progress. <laughs> it's a little bit more than just on the, the backup goalie that had to come in there. I agree. Do you think they go with Matt Murray? <laughs> in game four. Yeah, I'd love to see that. I think they should, right? No, I shouldn't say that. I like Matt Murray, and he's had any number of things go wrong since he won the two cups, but imagine that, huh? Oh, boy. I think they are definitely... Is he available? Cons- is he, or is he hurt? No, I saw someone say that, even though he's not on the bench, since you know you can have three goalies in the playoffs, he was in his Right, pads. if a goalie gets hurt, right. you can get him dressed. He was getting dressed in the locker room, ready to go, so I believe he would be available for them to use in Game 4. Does this put Dubas back on the table for the Penn's GM search, though? Because I thought it was over when they bounced, got rid of Tampa and you know got that first-round hurdle off their back, but going out in a sweep or five games to Florida might put it back on the table. No, and here Here's why. I think he'll think he can do better somewhere else. Right. Unless they just throw a ton of money and total control at him, so he'll which look, they might. He's he, a Fenway type of guy. Right. But he'll still look to leave Toronto, you think. But the Penguins' job's just not the most attractive spot for him. And that's a guy that could probably pick where he wants to land. Here's who I think they'll wind up with. Um, Bergevin. Bergevin or Trey Living, the guy from that got fired by Calgary. If you don't pronounce his name that way, I don't care. <laughs> But, like, I think they're going to get a recycled guy because he'll seem like the boss. You, you know? If they got, like, Telski from Carolina, the coach and players wouldn't look at him as the boss. And I don't want to say that you— It's s- not a good job, Tom. No, it's not. you got eight players with no movement contracts. They're all older than dirt. Right, right. You can't change the team. Right. The time to change the team has passed. Now it just is what it is. Like, what's the big— and Here's what I would do. If I got the GM job, I would come right in and trade Jake or Rust. You know why? Immediate shakeup. Yeah, you got to shake things up. It's like when Jim Rutherford took the job, came right in and traded Neil. And I feel like Gensel would be the one to do that with, you'd definitely get more return for Jake Gensel than you would Brian Rust right now. Or you're not even worried about the return. You just wanted to send a message to your own locker well, you, you know, You know what you do with, because Gensel has a form of no movement. You trade, he's, he's up, what, after this year for a new contract? Yeah, you trade him to Minnesota. He'd be a mark for going up there because that's where he lived for a lot of his right. life. He'd love it. And and, and, um, and they're a winning team with eyes in the playoffs And Billy year. would pay a good price for him, Garen. No, I like that a lot, and I, I think I agree. that. And I don't want to run Jake off. I no, just, no, no, I just at long last want, Tom, they come into games, they come into seasons, looking the same, playing the same, doing the same, losing the same. 
Look, again, I don't want to speak ill about Jake Gensel or Brian Rust either. I love those guys. Helped win cups for my generation watching the team. But you bring up the trades they made in the 90s all the time. And with all due respect to Jake and Brian, the players that they were moving on from back then and making those hard decisions are much better players than they are now. Couldn't agree more. Do we got five guys? Let's get to five guys. Today's five guys are five Hollywood stars that wouldn't be able to ride the Jackrabbit at Kennywood. In other words, they're short. They're very short. And number they, they five. They don't measure up to Kenny the Kangaroo. They don't measure up to Kenny the Kangaroo. Or Casey DeSmith. Number five, I cheated a little bit. He's not the biggest star these days. He's still active. He does a lot of voiceover work, but this is a Madden special right here. David Fustino, aka Bud Bundy. Adult height, five foot three inches. Okay, you're right. But part of his gimmick was, as Bud Bundy, was that he was the run of the litter. He was the shrimp. He was the run yeah. of the litter. Yeah, so you're right. I love that character. That's why I wanted to put him on the list. Again, one of my favorite all-time lines is, is when, when as he often did, he's almost getting a real hot girl to go to bed with him. <laughs> she goes, oh, Bud, I want you in the worst way. And he says, and that is exactly how you shall have me. <laughs> All right, number four, Al Pacino. Only stands at like five foot six for one of the most like powerful figures on screen in Hollywood history. Yeah, he's larger than life. I know, right? But if he was in this room with us, he'd come up to like our chest. It'd be very weird. Well, now, now if you look at Godfather, like Brando towered over him in the filming of that. Yeah, yeah. But I like, I get that dynamic though, and the it, that works as far as framing them as you know, Brando's the the Don, and then it's, I, I don't it's know. Michael. I don't know if that's why they did it. I just think Brando's taller, right? Probably. Plus, he had I'm the probably co- overthinking things. He had the cotton stuffed in his cheeks, too. <laughs> Number three, Michael J. Fox. Five foot four inches no question. at adult height. No question. And it really showed later when he did the sitcoms like Spin City and stuff like that. Because it, it worked in Back to the Future because he's playing a teenage kid. What's he have, Parkinson's? He has Parkinson's That's now, a shame. Yeah. It really what is. What a talented guy. He's handled it very, uh, very well, though, with a lot of nobility. How about, I forget the woman's name. He dated a really hot celebrity back when he doesn't even remember it. <sighs> what a shame. <laughs> Number two, Tom Cruise, five foot six, is famous for wearing lifts in his shoes, like on red carpet events, too, to add like three, four inches so he can match the women that are in heels. I saw Tom Cruise in Vegas once. Was it shocking how small he was? Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, yells out, hey, Tom! And he looks around, he goes, my God, you're like, what, five, two? (laughs) And and Tom Cruise just like really just shrunk. And needless to say, we we didn't get to meet him. I've I've heard that he's actually he takes things pretty personally. Yeah, like he does. He's, for sure. he's a pretty I mean, sensitive guy. I mean, he's obviously a total nut bar. Is probably a better way to put it. But him and Pacino on this list, and I guess Michael J. Fox to an extent too. It's just crazy how big of a star they are. Like how big of an action figure Tom Cruise is. Like one of the biggest action stars you could argue of all time. And he's five foot six. You know, what part of it is you know why fat people aren't stars, Tom. And I'm not joking about this because if they're fat, they always photograph and film even fatter. So with a small with guy. Small guy, they don't look small. It's just the way, I, and I'm sure there's a technical reason for it, but but that's what I've been told. Well, the absolute number one small guy in Hollywood has to be Danny DeVito. Four foot ten. Is he four foot four ten? Four foot ten. Yep. That's ridiculous. It's crazy, but he's a megastar. He's I mean, so funny, too. Incredibly funny and a lot of range. He, he can do some serious roles as well. Yeah, name one. I can't think of a serious uh, role. Penguin and Batman. Batman, too, but you don't that's like Batman movies. That's not serious. Movies. Oh, he was pretty serious. That's not it serious. It was dark. That's, that's... <laughs> That's thinly veiled comedy. But you're right, he's hilarious. And I don't know if you're an Always Sunny guy. Always Sunny. I've seen a few episodes. I mean, he steals the show as the dad. Yeah, you know what though? See if you agree with this. I think those shows are too samey. 
every episode seems to be too similar to the last or the next. Yeah, I, I can see what you mean with that. And I think it's on like its 16th season or something like that. So it's really hard. Oh, they're to, still making new episodes. They're making new episodes still. It's hard to keep it fresh when you're that far into a run. What do they still make money? I'm sure they are. Did you see what happened in the NBA playoffs yesterday with Matashvia, the owner of the uh, Phoenix Suns and Nikola Jokic? Yeah, I, I thought Jokic <laughs> should not have been uh, no. teed up. He should not be suspended. That guy's a fan because he's 100%. the owner doesn't give him the right to do that. And yet some people are acting. Well, actually, as we get further away from it, more people are, are calling this owner out for now. the schmuck he is. But uh, it was shocking at the time because he took a bump. Oh, 100%. It's funny to see the reverse angle video of him flying backwards into his seat with his hands extended into the air. Uh, That's where, if I'm Jokic, about 30 seconds later, he bumps for real. But you're right. Like, in that situation, Jokic just thinks this is some schlub fan who's trying to grab the ball. Give me the ball back. Oh, no, I think he knew who he was. You think he knew he was the Suns' owner? I I don't think he does. I don't think think Jokic cares who owns the Suns. Well, I think think he just wanted the ball. Uh, 100%. I mean, why is he holding on to the ball? Uh, It was very bizarre. And what's with the owners that sit courtside, like him and and Cuban? Like, does he want to be the new Cuban? Like, why don't you sit in your emperor's suite In Cuban's case, I know it's because he's a jerk-off. Maybe this guy's the same way. He's the worst Cuban. Yeah. But he, I think, started... Maybe it's unfair to give him credit to start anything, but he just seems to be the popular owner that you know sits behind the team bench and is like a part of the. What's team. the score of that series? It is two two now. The two, Suns two. tied it up. Boy, I, I saw Jokic play uh, when when I was at the Garden. They played the Knicks. He's so good. He's phenomenal. And you always say you always root for the athlete that looks most like you. Yeah. He's like the perfect example. I, I heard, does he play D, though? Is he good on D? I mean, I, I guess he could be a little bit of a liability on defense because he is slower. But he's so big and long that he can block shots. And, and do nev- you need to play D when you're scoring 30 points and grabbing 15 rebounds? And, and assists, too. Yeah, right. I've never seen a big guy move the ball like him since Wilt Chamberlain. And I, and I don't say that lightly. One argument I've always made is to why Wilt might be the best player ever. Um. Not only did he score 100 points in the game, and at one point averaged 50 points in the season, did you know once he decided, okay, I've never done this, I'm going to lead the league in assists, and he did? Just on a whim, basically. I decided I woke up one day and decided I'm going to be the assist king. Yeah, Jokic was, I think, just like an assist shy this year of of averaging a triple-double on the entire season. It's just remarkable, and and you're right, like— when you watch him bring the ball up the court, which I'm sure you did a yes. thousand times at Madison Square Garden, it's so smooth for somebody that size. But it almost doesn't look smooth. And he, it's weird. And he, like you said, he's a little heavy. You're right. He looks like an unmade bed. I, I mean, like, like, but he's kind of an asshole too on the on the court. You know what I mean? Like he'll give it to somebody, and uh, he he's a jerk. Like he's got the edge to him. He's a phenomenal player to watch. Is he going to win the? He's been MVP two straight times. Two right? straight times he didn't win it this year. Who won they it? They gave it to Joel Embiid. You know where that came from? Did you hear Kendrick Perkins' speech about? Yeah, I. We're not going to go into that, but but go on YouTube. Jokic and Embiid. You can fill it in. Yeah, the not that. not that Embiid wasn't worthy, but I hated to see the discourse affected like that. I I didn't think that was right for Perk to do because you'll remember that caught fire. Caught fire, a hundred percent. Good cop, bad cop. You're going to Vegas for a little vacation I am. this week. Table games are our good cop, bad cop today. My favorite good cop is roulette. Love playing some roulette. Really? I, I do, and I know it's like, you know, probably the worst game you could play if you're actually trying to win some money, but I just love spelling oh, that's out not some true. chips. That's not true. Really? Because I feel like you Blackjack, there's a system there, you know, that you can actually well, play, wait, play here's by the, the thing, book. though. You can, you can take the same approach to roulette that you do Blackjack and just bet, you know, red and black or, or bet blocks. 50-50, yeah. Yeah, exactly, and just try to... You know, but you know, you know what my favorite thing about roulette is that everybody who plays it is stupid. 
No offense. It because <laughs> because good copy. <laughs> if you look if you look at the board, you know the board they have that shows right. all the numbers. You know why they have the numbers? So people will make stupid bets. Like you'll see, like Randall hit, like you know, eight numbers in a row, and then you'll see some moron say, "Well, it's got to be black next to bet like way too much money." I, I've actually, I've actually cut promos on guys on the occasions I play roulette. I will say, "Sir, do you think the wheel has a memory? Do you think it remembers that it just hit eight red in a row?" Because I should switch it up. Every spin is an independent event. Every single one. Unless you find a wheel that, that's, you know, unbalanced, which, I mean, good luck figuring that out. Yeah, right. The wheel has a mind of its own. Uh, eight reds in a row. It's getting a little fishy. I should start switching things up. But you're right. The casino puts that up there just to trick people into thinking, like, oh, I got the edge now. Because I've seen 12 has hit a couple times. Maybe there's some trend going on there. It's been black a couple times in a row You now. know, it's like, what's your bad cop? Bad cop is craps. Because I just, I never really you got into funny? it. never learned how to Craps play is it. really exciting. And I just don't understand it. I, it's the same thing. It looks like the most fun that anybody's having on the ta- on the floor. But I've tried to get into it. People have tried to explain it to me. Can't get it. One of my deck hockey buddies, um, uh, a guy named Chris Hauser from uh, Boston, and he was born in Niagara Falls. We were at the casino in Niagara Falls once. He's you know he's older than me even. Boy, older than me even. <laughs> and uh, and we were, he likes to play craps, and I was hammered, so I just gave him chips. I go here, you know, bet. You know, bet double your bet. Bet, you know, my chips with yours. Right. And he just kind of played for you, like so a surrogate. He, so he did. And like 90 minutes later, you know, I was even drunker and I won like 900 bucks. And I have no idea what the heck happened. I, I don't understand the game at all, but you're right. It looks like everybody at the craps table, especially when they're on the heater, are having the most fun of anybody in the place. Any, I get jealous. Anything the casino gives you, like all the side bets for blackjack, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. They're sucker bets, okay? Even insurance where, you know, if you have a 20 against the blackjack, right. where you can, you know, like bet and get two to one if it's blackjack. Right. There are so few occasions when that makes mathematical sense. But people do it all the time. Blackjack is definitely my runner-up as far as a table game that I like to play as well. Just because I, I, that's the first one, you know, when I grew up and became an adult. Like, this is the easier one to get into, I think. You can understand it a little well, bit. You know and, what to do. And there's an element of skill to it. Right, A, a exactly. small element. But, you know, I like to pretend that I know what I'm doing. But, yeah, I, I, I play blackjack a lot. I mean, I like poker, too. But You're that's a poker not a, guy. That's not a table game. But I like poker tournaments, not cash yeah, games. Yeah, see, poker tournaments, uh, I just don't know if I have the... I don't know if I have the edge for that. I don't know if I could sit at the table and, and compete against other people. Although, like you said, there's a lot of idiots at casinos but, but tor- that you're taking but, advantage but tournaments, of. But tournaments are a finite competition. If you play, you know, like like 5, 10, no limit, you can be done in, in five seconds. You know what I mean? Right. Or you can or you can win for hours and then be done in five seconds. You kind of slow play, right? When you're in a tournament, that's your style? Yes, I try to stay get, alive. Like, like the tournaments in Vegas. I'm not in the huge ones because they don't run that well, often. You do one this week when you're there. Yeah, probably. Yeah, nice. Yeah, they like have the Flamingo where I'm staying has a good poker room. They'll like have you know 50, 60 guy tournaments. My strategy is to slow play till I get to the final table, which I do as often as not, and then get aggressive out of nowhere because it confuses people. If they've if they've been at a table with me <laughs> during the tournament, you know what I mean? No, I do 100 percent know what you mean. You said that you thought the Stars might be the favorite to win the Stanley Cup when the second round started because they had I the was best wrong. Goalie. But you were right in your analysis. He was the best goalie on paper. Heading he was into the rotten round. last night, man. The Kraken are just unbelievable. They just keep coming and coming and coming. And that stadium is like a Thunderdome right well, now. Well, you heard me on, on, on my show with Bucci. I was like saying, you know, I watch all these other teams. I know who got who. I watch the Kraken. I go, okay, there's Matty Beneers. Right. And after, where's Mc, 
oh, he's hurt? And then I go, oh, there's Schultzy. Justin Schultz, we used to have him. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I, rec- I like wave to him. Schultzy, <laughs> it's me. Good luck, man. You're doing great. Uh, just another penguin that's on a new they team got, that's they doing got, great. They got four second lines, and that's why they do well. But I don't think it can get them through the cup because— I'm not ruling the stars out, by the way. I don't think that—how could you? It's only 2-1 in that series as we tape this. They, they got to win game four at Seattle, though. I still just think it sets up real nice for Edmonton right now and for McDavid to finally get that off his back and win that Stanley Cup. My evaluation of goaltenders has gone to hell, by the way, <laughs> because I said, you know, way back when, before the playoffs, that Carolina wasn't going to play their best goalie, that kid, Kachetkov, right. right? Well, now he's in. I guess uh, Rant is hurt. So, <laughs> so, so Freddie Anderson's in goal. They brought in Kachetkov in relief, and he got lit up. Lit up by the Devils. The de- That's the team that went into a hole that I am pretty confident will probably get this series to seven is the Devils. It's a shame Newark's not really in New York because those Hughes brothers have charisma. Oh, yeah. They have that goofy, teenage, gawky charisma. Like when they did their post-game interview, it was actually entertaining, whereas McDavid on Saturday, he was just so dry, like the Sahara. And he's he's a sourpuss in the first place. Right. You You know what I would do if I were the NHL? I'd go to Vancouver and say, what would it take to get the third guy to New Jersey? The third Hughes. The third Hughes. Yeah. Quinn Hughes. Yeah. Yeah. Because that would be... He's a defenseman, right? Yeah. You could pair him with the you brother. Could, you could really market that. And, you know, Jim's there, so you could figure something out. And then it would just be insane, too, for the Rangers to have to look at that market right across the, the river from them with those Actually, you know, you know why Vancouver wouldn't do that? Because talk would kill everybody. Because he hates his defense. Well, maybe I've said too much. But, uh, but okay, he feels he needs better defense. That's a good way <laughs> of putting it. And, and Quinn Hughes is really good. Really good. Well, that is Tom Opferman. Um, oh, wait, one more thing, Tom. I, I, I wrote a notes column for the PG. No, PG. I haven't written for them for like literally 15 years. For the Trib. And uh, I, I talked about the Colin Coward ratings, but I also talked about the CBS Sports quarterback ratings, which had Kenny Pickett ranked 28th. Yeah. How about what the guy wrote? He wrote, Kenny Pickett is more of a late-game battler than an efficient starter. And I'm like going, wow. That's like seven or eight words. And it just ripped the heart out of the matter. And it, it really, you know, sets into context what you saw from his rookie season. And I think it's a little ridiculous that he put him behind some of the rookies. I mean, how, how are you going to know that Anthony Richardson is better than him? He hasn't played a snap. But I feel him Ask me him, who I'd take. I feel him putting him down that Well, no, far. I wouldn't take Richardson over Pickett, not actually. Yet, not right now, you wouldn't. But I just, I hate the notion that we're, we're, we're saying Pickett has the it factor That's... because of two drives. Because right, like, of two drives. I like my it factor to span four quarters, not just the last one. I like my it factor to occasionally throw more than one touchdown pass in the game. That's Tom Offerman. I'm Mark Madden. Bet now from anywhere. It's the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.